Hello and welcome to my podcast, Innovation, where I aim to bring a bit of humanness to the world of STEM, which is science, technology, engineering and maths. I grew up in a very STEM household where we were always encouraged to ask questions, be curious and think logically about the way the world works. And as a result, I qualified as a fluid dynamicist where I was able to mathematically model how gases and liquids behave which is really insane when I think about it now because as I got deeper and deeper into my academic research, I truly began to believe that everything on this planet could be explained using mathematical equations. Since then, I've grown up a bit and I have to admit that life has taught me that not everything is predictable and logical and can be tied up in a mathematical bow. And those lessons that I've learned haven't always been easy. Life is actually messy, chaotic and non-linear and here on Innovation I want to take a good look at how other people in STEM approach life as regular humans rather than as brain boxes that have everything figured out. Each week on Series 2 of Innovation I'll be chatting to someone incredible from the world of science, technology, engineering and maths to find out what they've learned from their life experiences in the hope that we can all benefit from a bit of shared wisdom. This week, I talked to Corrine Bryan. She's a lead power systems engineer, author and founder of the Social Justice and Engineering Initiative. Here's how she explained to me what she's doing in engineering. At the moment, I'm working for WSP USA um, and I work in the generation group and also kind of crossover with renewables. Um, I do so the electrical engineering, uh, power system studies mainly. Um, so at the moment, I'm working on quite a few like large and I'd say high-profile wind projects in the US. Um, some of like the largest wind projects they've they've had, um, and then some large renewable solar projects where I'm looking at the power system studies, so sh- like short circuit analysis and load flow studies. Um, and then, and then apart from that, I work on a few kind of engineering, uh, electrical distribution projects in New York. Um, um, there's a lot of work that, that's still being done after Hurricane Sandy, where um, kind of, for example, hospitals need to move all of their electrical power outside of the flood zone. So it's kind of relocation of equipment and that kind of thing. So she fell into engineering after narrowly escaping doing accountancy because she was seen to be good at maths. And she ended up trying engineering and uh, she got her first job and was asked whether she wanted to try working in the power systems department at work. And her colleagues gave her absolute freedom to go back to working on control systems if she didn't enjoy it. And what was so amazing is that what could have been intimidating for a lot of people, which is that she didn't see many people like her in the industry, it actually made her have a very different attitude towards it. But I did enjoy it and I realised also that there was you know, not enough people doing it. Um, and when you're talking about uh, kind of gender, uh, not gender, um, race, um, and, and diversity one of the things that I I tend to do since I've started engineering is I know that it's you know it's harder my mom's always told me it's harder for me you know as a black woman to get uh, to the same place as the kind of my maybe my white male or even white female um, friends so I'm always looking for something where 
there's not many people doing it and there's not much competition um and that kind of has made me pick certain things in terms of career choices as well i must say i was absolutely blown away by this idea of kind of knowing that she has to work harder and kind of facing that challenge and not seeing it as a victim you know a lot of people could actually say oh you know I, I'm working really hard I'm not getting further than my peers despite the fact that I'm working harder than them possibly but she used it as a kind of incentive and I found that attitude really really empowering I must admit that I was definitely someone that probably was in victim mode when I look back and think about it now. This idea that, you know, there's no one like me and, you know, because of that, I'm really disadvantaged. I mean, really, it's about your own attitude towards something. And I find her attitude towards not seeing many people like her at work really healthy and strong. You know, this is not something that held her back. This was not an obstacle. And the fact that her mum was telling her that, you know, that she has to work harder is probably something that, you know, she grew up with, that kind of attitude. And it's really, um, it's a really refreshing way of looking at things. Yeah, so it didn't put you off. It actually drove you that you were unconventional. Yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, and, and and just the fact that you know, I know even now, and, and in STEM generally, you know, there's a lack of, um, uh, you know, people of color, or um, like you said, it's mostly white male. So knowing that also gives me the you know the drive to to want to do it. So because I kind of identified with this sense of not feeling like there are many people like you around. I wanted to know from her how she dealt with being different in her environment. I don't know. How have you dealt with being different? Like, you know, because for me, when I was in engineering, I really was so completely the odd one out. Yeah. And um, whilst it was quite refreshing sometimes, you know, there was no pressure to be like anyone else. Um sometimes it felt very sort of like lonely like how have you got through have you how have you pushed through that yeah um yeah I know what you mean um I, I felt at the start of my career it was I felt it was a case of having to prove my, myself more um but I don't know if it's my, my kind of mentalities that um uh, if if I know I have to prove myself more that's putting me a kind of ahead of others because I'm kind of doing that extra bit um, which is only improving me really um, but yeah it, it, it was it, I guess at the start it was a challenge and it got to a point in my you know my previous role where I could see that there was no where you know kind of nowhere to go that the kind of culture wasn't you know as uh, inclusive I'd say uh, but since moving to New York and working for WSP like it's so different like even the team on I'm on I've never had this before where it's like 50% female like technical people um it's a very diverse team uh you know at, 
even at the moment we've got one white male which is so I've never I've never seen before but um I mean they do go out of their way to kind of make sure they have a, a diverse workforce which you you know it really makes all that difference gosh I mean if that's not empowerment I don't know what is this idea that yeah you know there's no one like me but that just makes me want to try harder it's so brilliant I mean I can't put it into words like it really is just so undefeatable this this attitude that you know no one's going to bring her down and I think it's kind of it oozes inner confidence this idea that you know yeah there's no one like me and that's awesome kind of attitude I mean gosh I wish I had that when I was younger it's interesting because her attitude has really taken her to different territories and she now works in a company that is US-based. And so we were just discussing the differences between the UK and the US and we got onto the subject of unconscious bias. I would say that unconscious bias is more of an issue in the UK than the US. Right. You know, the unconscious side... Um, and the conscious bias yeah worse in in, in the US but um right yeah that's so I was gonna say people aren't as scared scared to talk about um at least at my workplace you know we have I'm sure with a lot of places now there's like the DNI moments and uh, yeah. and people don't seem to be scared to talk about things as I would imagine my you know, my previous colleagues in the UK. I love this idea that she just does extra work and she pushes herself further and none of that is wasted because there's a real attitude that whatever she is doing for herself is always going to be a benefit, even if it's not an instant gratification or short-term win. You know, it's this idea that however much hard work she puts into herself will pay off at some point and I find that also really strong and really resilient because I think sometimes I come across people that have quite a lazy attitude and they only do what they absolutely have to do um, in order to get a result and I don't think that really helps people I think it's it's very half-hearted and um it's just not genuine or authentic. I mean, I think we should do things in life because we want to do them and because it brings us joy and because we're a being of service to other people. I don't think we should do things just to get a kind of self-centered result. And, you know, her attitude of kind of working really hard to prove herself, even if she doesn't get to prove herself, it was like this sense of doing it for herself and I don't know there's just something really there's just something really uh, wise about that. I've also worked in the US and I must say that the cultures are very different and um, I've certainly felt that um, in the US there was more willingness to talk about the problems and the issues, which I think is really good because it means that you've got more of a chance of solving the problems. And in the US um, and in the UK, 
there was less ease with talking about these kinds of topics, which is really funny because, well, not funny, which is really quite serious because um, we often think of the states of having a real racial problem. Um, and, you know, sometimes I feel like in the UK, yes, we seem to be more open about different cultures, but as someone who is a person of colour, I do feel like um, it's not always kind of, it's not always seen all the way through. Um, you know, we we raise these issues, but then we don't quite finish the topic. We don't quite do anything about it. Um, and I didn't find that in the US. I felt like people actually did something about it, even though the problems in the US seem to be worse. Anyway, that's not really a topic I want to get deeply into because it's quite controversial. But um, there are obviously differences between the territories. And the conversation I had with Corrine made me kind of ask why it is that we fear talking about diversity and inclusion in the UK. Yeah, I mean, what 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 do you reckon the fear is in talking about DNI over here? Um, I reckon, and, and maybe this is part of the British culture is like being seems maybe offending someone. Um, so you know, it is it is difficult conversations that need to be had, and maybe I guess that the British culture is that we we like to kind of avoid that kind of conflict or. I think it's true, you know, in the UK, we don't want to upset anyone. We have that stiff upper lip. Uh, We want to be politically correct. We want to be polite. All of those things, which is, you know, quite endearing in some ways. But also it means that we end up avoiding topics like diversity and inclusion. And so I've been quite encouraged in seeing the efforts that companies are making in the UK. But I think that we can do more. And having awkward conversations like the one that's coming up now on this podcast, I think is really necessary. Yeah. And we should start having more conversations about it here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even between you and me right now, we're a bit nervous that we might say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's two women of colour in engineering talking about it and we're like, oh, maybe we might say the wrong thing. And it's like, no, we're having a conversation about our valid experiences here of being in a very male-dominated industry. Yeah, yeah. Why are we feeling a bit sort of like um, tentative and a bit nervous about what we might say that's wrong? I mean, is our experiences not, is it not valid that we felt like we were not really allowed to be ourselves in the industry. I don't know. Um, Clearly, I was just having a rant. <laughs> but then I went on to ask uh, two questions that I'm going to be asking in every single conversation for this series two on innovation, which is, um, what's the best advice you've ever been given from friends and family? And this was Corrine's response. The the best advice I was given was from my mentor, actually, which was uh, never think that you know everything, which I guess is about being being humble. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's especially in engineering, 
you need to kind of have open ears and and have room for for conversation there's always something that can you know if someone has an, an opinion or or a, a suggestion it can really it can it can make a big difference when you're looking at engineering design um and just generally in life um you know listening to people and and learning um that's the way we we learn new things yeah i love that i love that i'm i'm like I don't know what's happening to me, but I just feel as time goes on, I really, I really need to be around authentic people. I really need to be around people that just say how it is. Um, I just seem to have so much less tolerance these days for people that are pretending to be more than they are. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an age thing, but I just, um, I find it so refreshing when people can just be vulnerable um maybe that's a sign of where I'm getting to in my own life where you know I'm starting to let the guard down and starting to kind of really just need to be honest with myself and others about how I'm feeling and sometimes it's not always going to be pretty you know but I love this idea of kind of not feeling like you need to know everything because I think in STEM there's always this pressure that we need to have answers and you know we need to know it all kind of thing and um you know people in stem are just as human as the rest of us and sometimes we just don't know and sometimes we need to ask for help and the idea that you can have the humility to say i need to learn is just uh it's really real and it's really refreshing so i love that piece of advice that she was given so my second question for my podcast is um, what's the most humbling experience you've ever had? And this was Corrine's response. Um, I'd say for me, what, what's changed me, I, I recently turned 40 um, and in the same month I, I lost two grandparents. And mm-hmm. I think that's been just recently, it's been kind of a shift and, and also just, you know, with COVID and everything that's going on and mm-hmm. with, we've 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 lost a few few family members as well it's just seeing that importance of um of you know priorities in life um and for me like kind of focusing on on family you know sometimes you, um i'm up late or i've got the computer out doing work when when the kids are, kids are there so just making sure you kind of take that time to spend with with people because you know life life is short um yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, life is really short. And what I have kind of experienced myself is that life can really sideswipe you. And things can change in a moment. Um, and so it's so important to feel grateful and and to genuinely be grateful for what we have because we could either lose it or you know things can change and you know if anyone's going through a bad time like that's also the same thing applies which is that you know it will also not be this way forever um and i just think that sort of like fleeting the fleetiness of life um, is really a good thing to appreciate and you know as we've gone through this pandemic so many of us have lost loved ones 
And it's just been a really, really grim and challenging time for everybody in one way or another. And certainly the pandemic has humbled us, you know, as a majority. Um, and if there's one good thing that does come out of this pandemic is just our ability to really take stock of what we once had before the pandemic, where we could just all freely meet up and do what we want and travel and meet in groups and all these luxuries, eat in restaurants, um, that is just such a hassle to do these days. And um, look back with appreciation of what life was once like and what life is like now. And um, yeah, I think that kind of experience really puts life into context. So what have I learned from my guests from this week? I think what I've learned is that she's definitely a woman that is not afraid to work hard and not afraid to fight for what she wants. And it's not a fight to win over other people. It's a fight for herself. You know, working extra hard and proving herself amongst a group of people who are not like her is not so that she can feel better because other people have lost. It's more that she can feel better because she's put the most she can into her own life and she's tried her best. And I find that just so beautiful because it's not competitive. It's actually really loving and it's for the greater good. It sounds like it's been hard building a reputation for herself in engineering and she doesn't play a victim for how hard it's been but she does acknowledge that societal conditions haven't made it easy and what's beautiful is that she's found a territory that really embraces her and uh, I don't know, there's something very um, elevated about her attitude towards that. It's kind of like, you know, if you're around people and in places that just aren't supportive, then move on, you know, don't get dragged down by that. And I really love that. She seems to be a woman that is open to clocking up new skills and developing herself and learning constantly. And I think that kind of attitude means that you will always continue to grow because if you think you know it all, what more would there be to learn? And so as well as being extremely humble, she also, as a result of what she's gone through over the last couple of years, has a real attitude of being grateful. And it's a reminder to all of us that adversity and challenges do make us stronger and do make us more appreciative of times when things were easier. And that's what I got from my guests this week. All such brilliant reminders. Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. More ratings and more reviews means more interest from the algorithms, which will help to increase the popularity of this show. 
It's all about self-discovery and evolution on innovation, so be kind and loving to yourselves, and I wish you all a great week. <laughs>